Keeping It 101, a Killjoy's Introduction to Religion podcast. This season, our work is made possible in part through a generous grant from the New England Humanities Consortium and with additional support from the University of Vermont's Humanities Center. We are grateful to live, teach, and record on the ancestral and unceded lands of the Abenaki, Wabanaki, and Ocosisco peoples. What's up, nerds? Hi, hello. I'm Megan Goodwin, a scholar of American religions, race, and gender. Hi, hello. I'm Elise Morgenstein First, a scholar of religion, Islam, race and racialization, and history. It feels like we've taken a little break where, well, no one has rested in the first weeks of 2021 after the Florida man of a year we just had. It was a Florida man. I hate you, 2020. Die. Die in a fire. But I feel like a break was necessary, even if it was not perfect. I, I am bad at breaks but you are but yeah. yes yes indeed we needed some time off to regroup script plan coach my kids through a school break with no friends or family uh. and i think eat my weight in carbs as someone's lord clearly intended <laughs> respect <laughs> jesus does love a carb i wouldn't know he is i guess technically a carb now that i think about it <laughs> Sorry, residual Catholicism. Anyway, um, what 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 are we up to today? How how do we kick off season three? I don't know. Apparently, I'm breaking my soul about Jesus is a cookie. He <laughs> is yes, though. I know, but <laughs> okay, okay, I'm better. I'm better. Let's, let's just let's just jump in. Let's jump into season three with a kickoff like that. How could we go wrong? <laughs> Excellent. Okay, crack those books open, kids. It's time for the lesson plan. Let's do a little bit of a review today, Megan. Not a, not a lot, because we can't summarize, you know, two seasons of podcasts. But I would love to make sure that our nerds know how we got here so that they all can see where we think we're going. Yeah. Dope. I like that. Um, But I also want to make some space to talk about the format for season three, which is new and different and experimental, and I'm excited about it. Uh, There are reasons for experimenting with a new format and for bringing in new voices, and we want to make sure you know what's up. So I guess our thesis is only together are we a genius to riff on Mary Hunt. And after two seasons of us, season three is opening our digital doors to other folks so that we can all be better. I love that. I love it, too. So let's jump into the 101 on today, the segment where we do professor work. Yes, let's. This is our 23rd episode. So if you're new, maybe we better recap some of the big themes. Cool. So uh, Megan, what are our what are our big themes? Rude. <laughs> so rude. Fine. Fine. Okay. Uh, season one, which was a year ago, but in COVID math, that's like 45 years and three months ago. We just kept saying that religion is what people do, and we we still mean that. Uh, that means basically that religion isn't just belief, and in fact, it's way more likely to be practices and norms and mores and ideas, and that religion is always bigger than the individual. It's about communities and how people decide who's part of their community and who isn't, what communities delineate as appropriate uh, versus what's not appropriate, how folks make meaning of the world through texts or divinities or each other or places or actions, how they make all of that meaning together. Yeah. 
And we also kept prattling on about how religion isn't done with us, which is related to this idea of religion is what people do. Because as individuals, we may say we're post-religion or over it or that it isn't important, but... I mean, we would never say that, but we know some of you might say that maybe was, before you start that listening. Royal we. I was speaking that royal <laughs> we. The inclusive third person uh. plural. <laughs> anyway, they might say... <laughs> Out there. Out there. But like, listen, y'all, religion exists, and especially within the United States, within systems. And that means law, education, medicine, and calendars. You didn't think for a minute, nerds, that a calendar (laughs) would escape my mention or would cause so much room for contemplation, anger, resentment, and general mishigas. But then you hadn't met me a year ago. We've harped on the idea that you might not be religious, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean that religion as a system and a set of ideas within major societal systems isn't acting on you or your communities. Yeah, it sure is. And there's there's laws about it, not just in the U.S., though, like I keep telling you, I am an Americanist, which basically makes me a monster to Elise. <laughs> It's fine. I'm comfortable with it. Uh, I am. I'm a monstrous Americanist, and we keep talking about the U.S. because I keep making us talk about the U.S. But laws about religious practice, about who can be a real, protected, proper citizen, these exist all over the world. Um, like in a rough little tally, we've talked about France, uh, the U.K., Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, India, China, Pakistan, Pakistan, I can speak, China, Pakistan, and Saudi Arabia specifically to show you all that religion is both what people do and your personal religiosity, frankly, doesn't mean crap to the laws of nation states. Yeah, 100%. So if season one was all about religion being what people do and being tied up in systems of power, like law, like medicine, like motherforking calendars... Season two was a deeper dive into race and gender to other ideas like religion that are real and have real effects in the world, but that are social constructs, change over time, and vary by region. Yeah. We just spent a whole season with y'all outlining how race and gender and sexuality are everywhere for individuals and for communities. And so if you want to think about religion, also always there, you really cannot. You just cannot think about religion without also thinking about race and gender and sexuality. If religion is what people do, and people have race and gender and sexuality, which they do, even if their gender or sexuality is no thank you, please, then you have to assume that you need those frameworks to make any sense of people and what they're doing. Yeah. And again, we talked about all of that across a whole variety of places. Nerds, you'll remember that Megan, the Americanist, got a couple of episodes to outline the history of one place. And I got a couple of episodes to do literally the rest of the world, right? You remember? You remember that, nerds? Yeah, we get it. We get it. You're mad. You're mad at the way that American-centric histories and ideas allow PhDs to know something so particular. And you always have to be both a specialist and a generalist because you're stuck to finding in-jaw before you can open your damn mouth. Move on, girl. But actually don't because you're cranky and right and I cherish you. (laughs) All right. Fine. Fine. Anyway, uh, gender and race and religion all play together, act on each other, shape how we do, well, each of those things. Yeah. 
So I think that about covers where we've been. Elise is mad at America. And frankly, if you're not mad in America, what are you even doing with your life? Please. Uh, Elise also mad at calendars and hopefully has showed you why you should be mad at calendars. I appreciate you. And I personally will not rest until y'all stop saying cults to describe literally anything you don't like or start paying attention to how religious groups are shaping our healthcare. Truly, literally infecting the rest of us with your gross COVID spittle is framed as religious freedom. Like, you you can't be done with religion if it's coughing on you at the grocery store. Definitely not. Definitely can't be. Yeah, no, no. Gross. Wear a mask. The end. Well, okay. So that's where we've been. Here is where we are headed. We are headed toward applied learning, nerd friends. We are setting up some cool conversations about how religion shows up in spaces you might not expect. Unless, you know, you're listening to the show and you know better. But I bet your mom is still surprised, actually. So spaces like ghost stories or political rhetoric or children's books. We're also going to find out if Jesus was a literal wizard. So you stay tuned for that. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely excited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaley's going to tell us. I can't wait. I mean, we already know that Jesus is a carb. So if he's a carb and a wizard. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jesus is a biscuit. (laughs) I let him sop me up. Latrice Royale, blessed. This is the most compelling Christianity has ever been to me. I just want to say that. Wizards and carbs, I, like, that's the cell. If you're, yeah, so yeah. if you're wondering missionaries, that's the cell. But also don't do that. That's imperialism. Next. Anyway, Jesus is a biscuit. I let him sop me up. Uh, I would prefer not to have to sop up Christianity while I do that, but whatever. The point of this is not just to have weird, interesting conversations with smart folks that we admire. The point is also that, but not just. We want to think with y'all about how religion is shaping our world and about how invested many folks are in claiming that religion isn't important or active anymore. Like in Elisa's oft-lamented school calendars. <laughs> Love a runner. <laughs> so what's at stake in understanding religion as more than just texts or in acknowledging that religion and specifically white mainstream Christianity has uniquely shaped racism and racist violence, especially in what's now the United States? What's at stake in thinking about religion and not like cults or magic as a political force? All of that and more this season, nerds. And we've also got a new format. So starting next time, we've paired episodes off with the first of each pair being the two of us setting up a problem in religion you've heard us chat about before even more deeply. The second episode of each pair will be us chatting with a leading expert on that very issue. We're rocking the season in that way because no two people can know everything. And let's be honest, we know a lot, but sometimes (laughs) it's also informative to hear things from new perspectives, with nuanced sets of experience, and with experiences we just don't, we just don't have. Also, we're talking to cool, smart folks about their work, which is, frankly, a good time. So join us, won't you? Please. Next time, Ernf and I are talking about public scholarship, especially on religion. We'll be thinking about why projects like this here pod, which is supported, as you probably remember, by a research grant, specifically because it is research and scholarship. So why are projects like this pod important? why public scholarship is not an option for some people and why it is mandatory for others and why your work is not, in fact, too complicated to talk about in public. I'm going to do that again. And why your work is not, in fact, too complicated to talk about in public. Yes. 
Yes. And we're doing this all because in this season's third episode, Dr. Simranjeet Singh will be here to chat with us all about that and more at a more granular and personal level. So see what we're up to? Setting you all up to get the most out of these rock star experts joining us all throughout season three. We're hoping that giving you background in the first half of a pair will make our conversations all the more riveting and useful in the second half. Applied learning, nerds. And teacher friends, we're also hoping these paired sets help you teach within a theme, which is a recurring request we get. Shall we entice the nerds with a few more details about what's in store for this season? Uh, yes. <laughs> if we're talking public scholarship, there's perhaps no one as present in American religions in the public eye than Anthea Butler. We'll set up her visit with an episode diving more deeply into evangelicalism, white Christianity, race, and religion in the U.S. Then she'll yes. come on and... What? And no, just yes. I'm really excited. Oh, I thought you said stop. <laughs> no, I was like, yes, I need it. I need it. Just pump it directly into my veins. Then she'll come on and we'll chat about her brand new book, Almost Out, Pre-Order Now, available on iTunes, etc. White Evangelical <laughs> Racism. It's not really available on iTunes. That's a deep track RuPaul joke. It's available through UNC Press. <laughs> and you should get it. <laughs> then we've got two episodes where we're talking texts, magic, religion, and what we think we know. The first pair is about uh, the Bible, Christianity, and magic with Dr. Shaley Patel as our resident biblicist badass. We'd use any excuse to chat with her, but these two episodes are specifically for you, Bible nerds, who keep asking us to do Christianity things that aren't imperialism, and, like, you know we can't. We, we can't do that. But Shaylee can't. Well, she's going to talk about imperialism anyway. But Shaylee is going to rock your worlds. And then the second pair of episodes on religion and magic is more Elise's jam with a deep dive into Islam, jinn, and texts, followed by... Uh, Dr. Ali Olami joining us. You probably know him from his weekly Wednesday threads on medieval Islamic magic, astrology, and jinn. And if you don't know, now you know, nerds. So again, religion is what people do. Religion isn't done with us. You cannot think about religion without also thinking about race, gender, and sexuality. And we are about to go topically next level with professors Singh, Butler, Patel, and Olami to build up and out on all of this. That's a lot. What do you say, Megan? Is it time? Oh, it's time. Settle in, class. It's story time. Hey, kids, it's story time! <laughs> All right, this is a really short one today, Goodwin, and I picked it because this little phrase is, I guess, I mean, like, I want to call it yours. You borrow it. You've made it the little pennant of our foodie Goodwin Mofu gang from mm. Mary E. Hunt, who herself borrows it from the Grail, a Catholic-rooted women's organization. I have to say she said it so frequently that finding just one place she said it was actually kind of complicated. So instead, I just <laughs> ganked this particular set of lines from an interview with her, Keisha Ali, and Monique Moultrie about their version of the Guide for Women in Religion. Which y'all should read if you haven't already. It's Absolutely. real good. So in this little quote, it's super tiny, but let me set it up. Mary Hunt, a lesbian feminist theologian, talks with the Women's Alliance for Theology, Ethics, and Ritual, WATER, a group she co-founded and still co-runs. She's talking here about collaboration, being a scholar, and what's expected in the academy. <clears throat> the Grail, a Catholic-rooted women's organization, always says, quote, together we're a genius. 
So even though individual work is prioritized by scholars, tenure committees, institution, and etc., Dr. Hunt continues, but collaborative work takes the best of what each person has to offer and melds it into a new product is really exciting, she said. All right, Goodwin, what can you make of this tiny little interview segment that I pulled out? Why is this line in particular your jam? I love this so much. This, yes, again, rewired my brain. So I first heard Mary say this as part of her discussions with the Human Rights Campaign uh, and their Religion and Faith Scholarship Program, rest in peace, which brought together junior scholars working on religion and sexuality for about a week at Vanderbilt for, I think, two or three years running. Um, The HRC brought in senior luminaries in religion like Mary Hunt and Emily Towns and Laurel Schneider and Janet Jacobson and Tracy West. Like you are getting the sense of just how amazing this experience was. And all of these amazing scholars came in to talk to us about their work while we also workshopped our own writing together. And it's it's awesome to have a week to focus on your dissertation with other smart folks who care about your specific subfield. But the bigger takeaway for me was the relationships, honestly, that I built with those folks. I'm still in conversation with many of them. I'm still learning from them. I'm still challenged by the smart questions they're asking, both specifically about my work and just generally in the field of religion and sexuality. So like selfishly, my work is better and smarter and more useful because of their contributions and challenges. But more than that, it's been awesome to see spaces in the academy where groups like this, um, formally organized like HRC or Mark Jordan did an amazing religion and sexuality writing seminar for a bunch of years. And participating in both of those changed my life, no joke. But also just I have loved and, and do love seeing the way nerds find one another, where groups lift one another up, ask difficult and productive questions of one another, and just generally build an academy worth saving, in my opinion. And here I'm thinking about like our very first episode, Low, one year ago, where you and I defined religious studies and theology in specific ways. And we had a bunch of really smart folks pop up and say, you know, I'm not sure if I would define it in those ways. And how else can we think about this? So like Jorge popped in, Jorge Rodriguez, uh, Jake Erickson, who I, I actually know through HRC, all of them helped us kind of nuance our thinking and just push the conversation forward, which is awesome. I'm also thinking specifically of an experience I had this summer where I was writing something for the the website for feminist studies and religion. And um, Johanna Junker, uh, was the person assigned to peer review my piece. And originally it was supposed to be kind of blind peer reviewed, but she had brought in so many really interesting questions and provocations that what was supposed to be a sole authored piece wound up being like I asked and she agreed uh, to be listed as co-author because frankly, the, the piece was more and better and more useful specifically because of the collaborative piece, um, which felt like a, a small, but, I don't know, at the at the time and, and looking back at it, it felt significant and like a tiny way that we can start decolonizing scholarship where like it doesn't have to be about me and I found this stuff and look at what I think. It's about just like making us smarter and more thoughtful and more considerate and just, <sighs> yeah, I don't know. There's something... I think profoundly humbling about knowing that you can't know everything, especially when the Academy makes admitting that you don't know everything feel profoundly unsafe. But once 
once I got past that ego space, it was also a giant relief. Like I cannot know everything as one person. Cool. But you can know a hell of a lot if you don't have to know it alone. So yeah, together we're a genius. I love that you brought that line into my life because I don't exist in the same scholarly spaces as you. I mean, now we do more and more because of this podcast, because of your Mm -hmm. book, because of both of our, um, I think coming into our own in a post-grad way where you can just kind of like slough off the things you're supposed to talk about and really just talk about the stuff you care about. But this, this like Mary Hunt's not a scholar that, that I've read or that I've worked with or that writes about things that I naturally care about, right? Like I don't do Christian or Catholic theology. I don't really study um, like queer formations in the U.S. Like I don't do any of that. Right. And so when you brought together We Are a Genius to us, I was like, who is this Mary Hunt? That's a great line. But I think this question of like, I think the second part of that quote, why I liked this quote. So when I was hunting for where she said it originally, and it's all over the place, and there's like a deep dive of the Women's Alliance for Theology, Ethics, and Ritual, like all of their newsletters are online. (laughs) And so I got a little bit distracted because I do this stuff in the middle of the night. But like the one that I really liked was this interview because um, this question of like individual work is prioritized by all of the material um, realities in the jobs that most of us work. So whether or not you get the plum job of a tenure track job, or you just exist in a committee, solo authorship, solo taught classes, solo grants, everything is, are you the singular author here? Yeah. And so what I love about this line is like, it, it is inherently, um, maybe this is going to sound like an overreaction, but the idea that together we are a genius, not singularly. So no, no shade to all the rad people that won the MacArthur Genius Awards this year. Yeah. But when that is a goal in the Academy to be named a literal genius, to say Mm -hmm. that together we're a genius is actually profoundly radical. It is profoundly radical to say, you might know a hell of a lot, Megan, but actually the thing that you do with others, the, the ways that your work is built upon and shared and not in this academy way where you like, you like ping pong it out, right? Like I write something and I hit it with my racket and then you <laughs> write something and you hit it back. And then we keep that conversation going. But in order to see it as a conversation, you'd have to get like nine different journals and like three different books and like line them up. Like that's not collaborative. That's maybe it's like, building blocks where we're together building some sort of structure, but each brick is its own entity. This together we're a genius, I think, um, named for me what has been a real uh, like impulse in my work, which is you build teams. Like I can't win a game on my own. I need a team. And so I just, I just love how radical that is that every single thing in the job that I have currently uh, tells me you should be doing this on your own. But every impulse I have to be a better thinker, a better scholar, a better teacher, a better colleague, a better mentor says the opposite. And so I love having this pithy little phrase that you that you actually put on a picture of us so that I can like have it in my office and say, okay, that's the goal. The goal is collaboration and um, forging ahead in networks rather than competitiveness and 
the lie, the misogynistic white supremacist lie that any one person could be excellent on their own without support, without community, without networks. Yes. Yes to all of that. So thank you, Mary Hunt, and thank you, The Grail, and just thank thank all y'all who help make this work worth doing. Yeah, together we're a genius. Pandemic made us soft, y'all. Anyway, enough about that. What about me? What about Tyra? It's primary sources. Primary sources. I almost thought you were going to forget to sing it, and I was super mad. (laughs) So primary sources is a segment where we talk about how all of this affects us as human people and not brains on sticks. Goodwin, why don't do we keep riffing on this idea of, of from story time? I was kind of thinking that this primary sources could be even more about how we learned to do this work, but not like the important books, like how do we learn how to use an archive, but the little things mm-hmm. you pick up and then looking back where it is it, it is the thing. Yeah. Yes. Let's do that. Do you Talk want to me go? about the thing. No, you go first. Okay. Um, Please and thank you. Cool. I want to talk about genealogy. So on this here pod, I've talked a lot about where I come from and how where I come from is adoption. And I have to- Wait, you're adopted? I know. Shocking. (laughs) Um, And I've talked a lot about like the work that that has done as a scholar. But I, I want to name that the possibility of that, the deep thinking that I've done around that is, is not just therapy and years of living in my body with my experiences, but it's actually because of the late, great Dr. Rule Tyson, Mm. a faculty member at UNC who was a legend um, and had like, Megan, correct me if I'm wrong, he had like a foghorn, leghorn, North Carolina accent. It was... No, straight up, Rule Willoughby Tyson, who came to the University of North Carolina to become a gentleman. Yes. No, like, y'all, he was that old. No, picture the, I need you to see the suspenders. Yeah. Like, it, no, was, like, it was that level. Yes. There was something like dandyish about him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, I took one of Rule's last seminars that he was teaching at UNC. And it was one of these, um, you know what good one? I don't even remember what it was called. It was like a gateway, I think, to theory, to the culture, to it theory. Was- what the you, hell need, was like, it? you needed like a religion and culture class. Yes. yes. It was and that was like the one it. that was available. Yeah, no, I just... wanted to take it because it wasn't, whatever. I wanted to take that class. It was supposedly okay. where we were going to do a lot of like Foucault. But instead we read like a buttload of Nietzsche and we read it so slow. And I want you to know, dear nerds, that I, like that kid in um, Little Miss Sunshine, I had an actual <laughs> Nietzsche poster, like as a college student who smoked too much weed oh because I thought I was fucking cool. I was not. A, I was not. But B, I thought I was like down with Nietzsche. <laughs> I was not. I was not down with Nietzsche. And by the end of that class, I was done. But the final project in that class was, I want you to write a genealogy. The rule was... It could not just be an intellectual genealogy. You had to weave your personal genealogy into your intellectual genealogy because Rule had not gotten the memo either of objectivity nor of like postmodern critique. So he just had this assignment that had like clearly been kicking around since like 1958 where like 
you were just going to write your own personal history as an intellectual history and your intellectual history as a personal history. And this is such a silly assignment. And I guarantee you, if you asked anyone else in that class, they would not remember it because this was literally like truly like this man's last year or second to last year teaching. Everyone kind of thought it was a blow off class, but that assignment broke my brain open. (laughs) It did. It broke my brain open because the idea that it became the first place I actually out loud, like as a scholar theorized what it meant to have this wacky birth certificate, which, which marked when I wasn't me. Mm. Right. Cause like my birth certificate has that double thing. And yeah. it's clear that if someone else had adopted me, my name would be different. My parents would be, everything on that sheet would be wrong, even if the date and time were different. So that class really broke open for me, the possibility of thinking, right? Like, you know, that class was a class where everyone said conditions of possibility too fucking much because we were just reading Foucault and no one really did the reading. So it was like conditions of possibility. Like I couldn't, it was, I was done. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that class too. Like well, we could talk to Kathy Foodie about it later, but that class was torturous. <laughs> um, sorry to those friends who are listening now and don't remember being that much of a slacker. You were, it was a bad class. However, <laughs> that assignment, that one word of like thinking about your intellectual genealogy as personal and your personal genealogy as intellectual really changed how I thought about my work. It changed how I thought about community of scholarship. It changed about how I thought about the idea of like forebears and resonances. And I, I think about it often when I think about grad school. So even in this like kind of miss of a class with a professor who quite frankly, because of ageism was being written off left, right, and in between both by students in the class and by his colleagues. And the university, frankly. Oh yeah. And the, like, structurally, department. It was, I hate, I have many notes. Yeah. But I think even in all those spaces, it was such a gift to have um, an old school class. So we didn't read a book a week. We read like three books in a semester, but you read them line by line in that like old school, slow scholarship. You should memorize this passage. What do you mean you can't memorize the whole passage way? Yeah. And just broke open my brain. And, And I'm really grateful uh, man, good teaching sometimes comes in strange places. Anyway. Sure does. Sure does. I, I'm like very touched that you brought rule up. I had forgotten about that class until you mentioned it. I did not take that class, but I was rules last research assistant. Yep. Uh, and my research assistantship was like organizing his papers and his books so that they could move him out of the department and into the center that he helped found and then out of the center and just like back home. He definitely thought my name was Ginger. <laughs> despite working for him for like three years. I mean, you um, are a very tall ginger lady. So I feel 100, like hundred percent just a, a sweet, inappropriate nickname. It was not a nickname. He definitely <laughs> introduced me to people as ginger, including his son. But oh, no. I mean, like Rule was a kind of scholar that we just, there's not space for in the academy anymore. Like he, he came to the University of North Carolina to become a gentleman. He went on to found the Department of Religion at the Religious Studies now at the University of North Carolina. He would just have chats about what it was like to hang out in the basement with several neighbors. And yeah, and you read the Nietzsche line by line. Like that's, anyway, I miss him. And yeah, I think like, I think my primary source is similarly just being grateful for 
for, for all of its many problems and shortcomings, and and they are many, they are legion, um, our grad program at UNC was a space that really helped me learn to appreciate collaboration. This happened uh, in a lot of spaces, but I'm thinking specifically about the dissertation writing group that you created, lady. Oh, get, get out. out there. No, for real. Uh, I am I am given to understand that many, many grad programs are not the sort of space where students would feel comfortable sharing works in progress, much less the truly shitty first million drafts of a dissertation proposal, as as I did. Uh, and and yeah, like that the work in the writing group is about making our writing better, and that's great. But we also learned we learned about what everybody else was working on. And we did that like not just to make their writing better, but so that we could promote each other in conference spaces or social media. And it's just, like, it felt awesome to be able to say to, you know, somebody that I'm meeting at a conference, whatever, because I talked to everyone. Oh, hey, like you're working on Second Temple or like post Second Temple Judaism. Do you know about Carrie Duncan's work on female synagogue leaders? Because you should. Or like, oh, you're doing religion media stuff. Uh, Jenna Sup Montgomery has this awesome project about the transatlantic telegraph that would like rock your world. Jenna's book, by the way, is out now yep. uh it is called when the medium was the message it came out through nyu you should check it out she's a smart lady and so like obviously that collaboration is most intense with you and foodie and it feels it really feels like that working with you all is what makes it possible for me to do pretty much anything at this point like knowing that i don't have to get it right the first time that i can send you again a truly shitty draft and you won't think i'm stupid you'll just you'll just help me make it better and like knowing that i'll read your stuff and i will be smarter about religion despite still having to look up when the great rebellion was <laughs> it's 1857 i had to double check but like that that is priceless to me so again yeah we're just like Together we're a genius and and hashtag blessed. And well, primary sources. <laughs> but don't pack up your stuff yet, nerds. You've got homework. Homework. What homework? Remember, you can find everything we're assigning here and a whole lot more in the show notes for this episode. Links, citations, non-paywalled options for stuff you need a university login to get to, occasionally silly pictures of us, all of that, and transcripts, because accessibility isn't just good pedagogy, it's mandatory. I'm honestly going to treat this like I would treat my opener in the first week of classes, y'all. So here's my homework. You need to read the syllabus, which will be posted up now uh, in a couple places on our website. So you can tell what's coming, where we're going, and you might want to think about what to assign. You want to probably look through our past show notes if you're new or if you want a refresher. Or again, if you are teaching this term and want to figure out what to assign, what's open, what's open access. We've done a lot of work in the show notes and I urge you to go use them. And just like I tell my students, if you're totally new to religion, hi, hello, welcome. I always like to recommend Mallory Nye's Religion, The Basics. It's a really yeah. good, sim simple primer, but it's not um, it's not short on theory. So it's not it's simple, but not simplistic. And then I guess I'll say go follow our season three guests. So you can find Dr. Anthea Butler at Anthea Butler as one word. You can find Shaylee Patel at Vox Magica. That's V-O-X underscore M-A-G-I-C-A. You can find Simran Singh at SikProf. That's S-I-K-H-P-R-O-F. And you can find Ali Olami at A-A 
O-L-O-M-I. And I'll link, um, I'll, I'll put links to all of their profiles in our show notes. Awesome. I will also pull out some cool threads that our guest stars have written so you can get a sense of what they do, but also it's still pandemic. So like, that's plenty. Go take a nap. Oh, and speaking of folks to follow, highly recommend The Nap Ministry. That's at The Nap Ministry, T-H-E-N-A-P-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y on Twitter as well. Thanks for coming back for season three, nerds. We appreciate you. We also appreciate transcription queen Catherine Brennan, whose work makes this pod accessible. Can't get enough of us? We are always, truly always on Twitter. You can find Megan on Twitter at MPGPHD and Elise, that's me, at P-R-O-F-I-R-M-F or the show at Keeping It underscore 101. Find the website at keepingit101.com. Please do drop us a rating or review in your podcaster of choice. It helps. And with that, peace out, nerds. And do your homework. It's on the syllabus. Now, we have been given the essential task of sending our preceptors, our teachers, that's what I said, thank you, sending our scholastic skippers some panegyrical words. Okay, no one's going to understand what you're talking about. Okay, why don't I start, okay? We just wanted to express from the bottom of our hearts just how necessary you all are in shaping young minds. Sculpting jobs. So thank you. And may you continue to brighten, illuminate, my God, illuminate the paths for many more to come. So in celebration of all you precipitators, prep teachers, 